Hi, I'm Dan Wilton. I'm the CEO of First Mining Gold. Uh, we are a gold uh, development company with a suite of outstanding assets in Canada, including our uh, flagship Spring Pole project, which is a 5 million ounce equivalent large open pit project that we're taking through environmental assessment and feasibility over the course of the next couple of years. Dan, good to see you. Welcome to London. You. Thank you. Pleasure to be here in person. Uh, we're delighted you made it, actually. Absolutely. We weren't sure if people were going to turn up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, this is now the fourth conference that I've attended, okay. fifth actually, technically, in person. And uh, other than the fact that I am keeping the hand sanitizer companies well and truly in business, um, you know, managed to avoid many pitfalls. So, so where's that? Uh, Germany? We were in Switzerland? Germany. Yeah. Uh, we were at a conference in New Orleans oh, yes. uh, in October, and then uh, Colorado Springs and uh, and um, Beaver Creek. Right. So I'm pressing the flash. How's it over there? It's good. You know, I'm saying it's it's an interesting group of largely, I think, um, kind of high net worth investors, family office people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fewer institutional investors than I think we've seen in the past, but it's been great. The one-to-one folks have kept us pretty well connected during these times with yeah. their, you know, with their online platforms. So this was really for us the the highlight of the schedule is just actually being able to like meet shake up. people's hands, M- meet us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say that. Uh, right. Well, let's let's talk about what's going on this year. Okay. So I think there's a great expectation that precious metals would take off. It didn't. It was kind of moved sideways or, yeah. or downwards slightly for most most people. Right. Yeah. So. I want to see what you guys have done. We'll keep this fairly high level. Okay. We'll come back in the new year, get it a little bit technical. Perfect. Uh, so last time we spoke, July, uh, we had the Treasury Metals right. yeah, thing right going at the time on. Of the distribution. How did yeah. that work out in the end? You know what? It was great. As a big first mining shareholder, I was quite happy to get a bunch of uh, attractively priced uh, shares and warrants in Treasury Metals. You know, we distributed about 10% of our market cap. Just for context, right? So call that a 10% distribution yield from a junior gold developer. Like that's a pretty rare thing. But I think that was one of the commitments that Keith Newmeyer uh, really made when he set up First Mining was you're going to get these direct exposures to the opportunities in the portfolio, which is great to have done it. Um, I would tell you that if we had it to do again, I think there's probably a more efficient way to do it because the deadweight loss in legals and, you know, yeah. you go through this distribution and you'd think people would be happy. But when the shares are five days late getting to their account because they're in the U.S. and settlement, like I think there were as many people unhappy as there were happy about it. But it got there eventually. It got there eventually. And it's done good things for Treasury. I think Absolutely. you've seen the liquidity of Treasury, you know, maybe double or triple, starting from a pretty low base. But I think that broader retail shareholding and all of our shareholders who, you know, we have pretty active trading shareholder group uh, has been a real value to them. So. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's true. We've spoken to a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think broadly happy yeah. with, with how it worked out. Okay. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about Spring Pole. Yeah. I really do. But we should maybe talk about some of those outliers and um, burst, if you may. Sure. So how are things going? Uh, like on the rest of the portfolio yeah. projects? Yeah. Well, they're going great. I mean, what a lot of people don't appreciate is 2022, we are going to have 125,000 meters of drilling on our portfolio projects, right? Right. We brought partners into those things. So Treasury's in the middle of a 60,000 meter drill program. Pickle Crow, our partner at Teco, is now into its 45,000 meters last year, another 50,000 meters this year. And they're well into that. 
Uh, they finished what are you, their, what are you sitting on, 20% or something? Yeah, 20% yeah. project, well, it's 30% now. They can buy 10% for $3 million, but we think of it as a 20% interest. But our 20% is carried through to a construction decision. Got it. Right? Okay, yeah. So they can keep spending money on exploration, making it better, and our project interest doesn't take any dilution, which we're happy about. And Big Ridge is getting in, getting ready for its kind of maiden 25,000-meter drill program at Hope Brook. So right. they're committed to spend $20 million to earn into an 80% interest. What are you valuing those at? It's pretty easy. Like it's a look through value. So we have the numbers in our investor deck, but it's, uh, you know, all told cash, um, marketable securities, uh, payments to come from those project deals and the project interest, which are just look through values from the public companies because they're single asset company. Uh, that is about $125, $130 million, of which 30, like 30 plus is cash on the balance sheet. Yeah. Okay. Compared to where you, where you, the market's valuing you guys. Yeah, with Springpole, one billion NPV US at sixteen hundred dollar gold. Our Cameron project, million ounces, eighty eight kilometers from Rainy River, uh, and our uh, assets in Quebec in great real estate, which we never get time to talk about. Like those combined, uh, you know, I think you're looking at at enterprise value there, or fundamental value of a billion and a half dollars plus. Right. And you're getting it for $80 million today. So still trading at sub 0.1 times NAV or $10 an ounce. That's frustrating. It is. It is. But, you know, I appreciate that we're in a bit of a show us world. So all we can do is show people, right? Okay. But you, you, you were using this year a lot, the, the, the phrase of the, the, the largest undeveloped uh-huh. project in Canada, uh-huh. right? So One so of. Yeah. One of. Yeah. That's one of, is it? It I is. I thought it was the... Uh, so explain to people what you mean by that, and then I want to get into what are you going to do about it? Sure. So this is a 5 million ounce equivalent project. Um, uh, you know, one of the few projects that are capable of producing in excess of 300,000 ounces a year, which is what we've scoped out in our pre-feasibility study. Very robust mine plan. Um, over an 11-year life, and you know, it's a, by most people's definition, tier one asset in a tier one jurisdiction. So we're moving through the environmental assessment process and targeting, you know, potentially construction decision, 2024. Right, but, but the environmental is is how long? Because I think I read originally you'd hope you'd get that done sooner rather than later. Like, uh, well, no, I think we're actually broadly on track for the timing that we were that we were working towards. So the terms of reference, which we just got approved last week. Um, you know, it was an enormous amount of work, particularly for our indigenous communities as they were like going through COVID. So we're very thankful in all of the work that our communities had done. Um, you know, and there we've got a, a group that's spending a lot of time, a Springpole Environment Committee, three of three of our of our key uh, indigenous communities. And yeah, we're very thankful of the work that they're doing. Right. Give some, give us the sort of headline numbers around the PFS if you don't around the economics. Yeah. I just want it allows for a better conversation. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, uh, upfront capital of seven hundred and eighteen million US, um, net present value at sixteen hundred dollar gold of about a billion US, and for every hundred dollars on the gold price above sixteen hundred, it's one hundred and fifty million after tax NPV. So huge leverage to a higher gold price. All in sustaining costs for the main nine years of the mine life, because you mine for nine years and then process stockpiles for three. But in that main nine years of the mine life, all in sustaining cost on a byproduct basis, sub $600 an ounce. 
Right, right. Big, robust, 2.4 year payback at $1,600 gold. Right. So you've learned a few things this year. You, you would have done things differently with regards to the, the treasury metals situation. I think you would have done differently in terms of moving the project forward. No, listen, the single most important thing we've done this year is made some, and starting last year, was made some very important additions to our team. Right. So about a year ago, we brought on Steve Lines, who's our VP Environment and Community Relations. Mm -hmm. And Steve has done an unbelievable job, brought a lot of his team on, uh, who had spent the prior six and a half years permitting the Hard Rock project that mm -hmm. got bought by Orion and uh, Equinox Gold earlier this year for 600 million US. Uh, pre-construction, which I think is a really very important comparable for Springpole. But having brought Steve and his team on, sort of taking us through this environmental assessment process, you know, we're about 85% uh, done in writing up the draft EIS, which we're going to submit next year. Uh, but Steve, having such an understanding of the process and relationships with the regulators, which makes a huge difference, um, I think is between that and our advisors at Wood, who have permitted uh, or led the environmental assessments for almost every open pit mine in Ontario in the last 15 years, Detour, Magino, Cote, our team did Hard Rock. Um, so we just have a great team that's taking care of this really critical part of our development process. Right. Yet the market's not valuing you. So there's, right? I, I can't, I gotta, Absolutely. I, I got to come back to that. Yeah. Your, your enthusiasm, the numbers suggest a, a different picture from the yeah. reality of what we see today. So is it because people are waiting for this EIS component to be, what, what's the long pole in the tent really? That's I, what I'm getting at. I think it is um, that people are waiting to have some degree of date certainty, right? So I think on, on when you are going to be able to make a construction decision, on when you are going to receive your environmental approval. So I think it's, I think it's date certainty around that. And listen, we got a lot of work to do on that front still, to be clear. Um, but I think that's part of it. And I think part of it is still this binary, you know, the deposit sits under the Bay of a Lake and the development plan involves, you know, building coffer dams and dewatering part of the lake. Um, we think that you know technically it's significantly de-risked. So yeah, look, I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I can understand why people are nervous about that. You yeah. don't understand. You know, BHP are going to build an underground mine, well, Norant, yeah, under a swamp. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it's possible. Yeah, but it's expensive. And is that another part of the the disconnect in terms of what people understand about you guys with the market cap? Yeah, what are you going to have to raise? Yeah, in I, the process. I think people ask that question, but. Um, I think the people who ask that question uh, just need to think about some of the likely eventualities of this process when we have a significant strategic asset. Um, you know, one of very few projects that can produce 300,000 ounces a year globally. Um, the opportunities for, you know, partners on that going forward in one form or another is significant, right? right? And it's also, you know, there aren't that many of these size and scale of projects that can be built for less than a billion dollars. So, yeah, I think the financeability of it, you need to go down a bunch of different tracks. But ultimately, you know, I think people are going to realize that there, the, the probability of this happening is greater than zero. And therefore, we should start seeing some of that value, fundamental value, start being reflected. Well, there's, the, the, there's the chink in light in, in, for me in terms yeah. of the, the, the sales pitch from you. It's like, 
you bring a partner in, right? But that kind of clears things up because I know where you're heading. Mm. It's not I'm heading towards trying to need to raise capex to fund this. You know, what's going to be? I know I got the ASIC and so forth, yeah. but it's going to be a big chunk of money up front. If you're saying no, we're going to get to this point, get the environmental sorted out and all the other bits of paperwork you're going to need to sort mm. out, and a shovel-ready project for a strategic partner to come in, use their balance sheet to move this forward. Is, is that what you're saying? That's one of the options, right? But is it the most realistic, given where you're, where you're at today? I think or, the or most- change yeah, as time moves on? The most realistic is, first and foremost, you got to get to the point where you have the capability to make those decisions. We've got a lot of work in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, what's that? Finance to do it? Yeah. yeah. I, we have $30 million in the bank today. Wow. And with some of the other portfolio assets over the next couple of years, we need to seek some liquidity for those. But I think we're in pretty good shape. Won't need to raise equity as far as we're concerned to get Springpool through the EA process. But with all that said, then as you go through that process, I mean, this is what I did as a corporate finance advisor for 20 years. And um, it's just important to make sure that people are paying attention because um, what you don't want is a surprise. You made reference to Noront before. You don't want to surprise Noront, right? Noront is getting up to a fair value because you have two very educated parties with equal capabilities to pay yeah. who you know, are both willing to get it to the fair value. But if you only had one party, that was a deal done at a 40% premium. Absolutely. Right. So bidding war is always nice, but a competitive tension. Love competitive tension, but competitive tension yeah. comes from your your best alternative that you can manage yourself, and which you is you must do your part. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is which is why you know I think for a sub a billion dollar project or call it a billion dollar project, there is the ability to project finance that. We're not the first people to ever do it. This was how a Cisco got built, right? Yeah, but I'm Similar saying, numbers. but, but you, you, from where you are now to where you need to be, for that to be a genuine consideration, uh-huh. you know, how, how much credit and how much value is the market gonna give you to put yourself in a position to be able to say, well, hey, we're, we're uh, you know, you whatever, you're 260 million now, you get up to around 400 million, it's like, okay, I think this is doable, we can do this. Yeah, the, the perverse thing is that the higher your market cap is, you know, the more confident people are going to be that it's right. gonna happen. Right. Whereas the best investment opportunity is now when your market cap is really low, right? Exactly. So I think it's, uh, it's frustrating. But at the same time, you know, I think we just put our head down and we have a team that's entirely focused on the fundamental value of what we have, right? And the investors will come along as we start giving uh, more defined timeframes, as we go through that EA process, you know, and particularly as we start hoping to define what we think are some of the real win-win opportunities with our indigenous communities, particularly around the development of the project. And as we get some definition around our, you know, our relationship and moving forward and how the communities are going to benefit, all of that is super important work in the next couple oh, of No, years. absolutely. Yes. And, and I look, and I don't want to waste time today because you're a busy guy and got to get back and press the flash and stuff, but that's something we can talk about in the future. Mm-hmm. It's more and more pre- prevalent in all conversations that companies want to have with us. But um, just kind of sticking with um, where we are today. So um, Spring Pro, just in summary, you've got the money you need to get through the environmental. Yep. 
you have um, your, your PFS numbers, feasibility study, what are we looking at now? So we're kicking off feasibility in January. Uh, we've spent this year doing a lot of what you'd think of as long lead time feasibility items. So another round of metallurgy, um, a lot of work around tailing strategy, a lot of work around continued environmental de-risking, but all of that is leading to, um, when we came to the realization, we could push the button and really try and rush a feasibility study to get it done. But in the end, if we, if we had a feasibility study done in 2022, we're gonna need to do another one in 2023, right? If we're targeting environmental assessment approvals at, you know, toward the end of 23. So I think we, we you know, take the time that it takes to do really good work. We finish our, some of our trade-off analyses and then uh, we're into, you know, into feasibility on some of the long lead time yeah. stuff. And that process probably stretches out because we're not in a big hurry for it to happen right away. But, um, you know, part of it is through the environmental assessment process, we submit this draft, we get comments back. And if there are any changes to the yeah. scope, then we can incorporate those into the fees. Absolutely. Iterations. It's all good. Um, so just in terms of how you conserve or uh, allocate capital as mm -hmm. well, right? You're big enough at the moment. Mm -hmm. You're big enough, right? You've got 11, you know, 11 12 years of uh, life, life of mine. Mm -hmm. Do you spend time, money, effort on expansion program? Or do you say, look, let's just get this thing over the line. It's going to be good enough to attract a strategic. And then we'll then start looking for other, whether it be projects no, or expanding, expanding what we've got. That's a really interesting question. And I think we asked ourselves that existentially about a year ago. Um, Largely on the back of, you know, um, the pre-feasibility study and had a lot of discussions with other companies about it. There is a real growing interest in our neighborhood. This Birchucci Greenstone Belt, which is kind yeah, of an extension of Red there. Lake. It's, you know, Great Bear to a degree. You got to, people just know that there's a lot more gold to find there. There's only been a couple of real exploration campaigns almost since the, you know, since the 1980s. The most of the work that's ever been done in this camp was done in the 1930s and 1940s. Like it is desperate for modern exploration. So we started about a year ago thinking, okay, neighborhood watch, who's in, who's in the area? Um, it turns out, and the reason why there hasn't been a consolidated land position here is because within 30 kilometers of the project, we had 60 landowners. And so we've now done nine deals in the last year to not quite, but almost double our mineral tenure at Springpole nice. on what we think are the most important controlling structures of mineralization, have three different styles of mineralization that you can target. Big porphyries like Springpole, which yeah. no one has looked for since they discovered Springpole. And people forget this, man. it's interesting. Like Springpole was more or less the, the bulk of it drilled out 2010 to 2012, 2013. In 2013, the markets were rolling over and no one cared, right? So no one has come back in to say, well, maybe there's more of these to find. There absolutely are. We found surface expressions of these bulk tonnage trachyte porphyries. Just gotta go investigate that. So as we were picking up this ground, we also came to realize we didn't have really the skills in-house to be able to effectively um, drive that exploration process. So we've actually just recruited a fantastic new vice president of exploration, James Maxwell, who joined us about a month ago, um, just getting his feet under the desk, but he's super excited. So no, we, we absolutely are allocating capital. We still need to have um, some 
clarity and real discussions with our indigenous communities around the exploration. There's some permits, but we don't have a proper exploration agreement, which is something that we really want to get with our communities. Um, and I think that leaves us with, uh, you know, we are hoping to be drilling over the winter, um, but, you know, probably some uh, right. discussions to have before we get out there. But that said, uh, there's a bunch of regional data collection that we can and right. will do over the course of the winter. Okay, so, so furiously paddling underwater, uh, as they say about swans gliding across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So are those uh, nine contiguous or just you kind of patching we, them together? Uh, it's a bit of a patchwork when you look at right. it. We've got a good map in the in the presentation, but yeah. they are all contiguous now, which means that right. you know when we incur expenditure on one, it can go to to satisfy um, you know uh, exploration credits on others. Fantastic. Well, look, yeah. I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Great update, and good, more importantly, good scene. Absolutely face to in face, person. Right? Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. I've had a few of these uh, experiences. You're you're wearing glasses. Yes. Uh, whenever we have talked before, I've had my glasses on because I'm staring at a screen. But the biggest thing I've come to realize is I'm that... I'm quite handsome. What? Well, no. Is this something else? You can say <laughs> that I realized a long time ago, even over the even over the distance of uh, yeah. time and video. No, just a lot of people, when you meet them, it's like, hold on a second. You're, I've been on, you know, know. 10 hours of video it's calls different. with you. But it's just it's, different it's in different. person. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. good. I, I think it's going to be a, hopefully a nicer marriage of, of the two going forward. Yeah. Um, so we can be more regular contact with people. Otherwise, you see people twice a year. Yeah. It's boring. Yeah. No, and we'll like to actually get back to London. We are, we are very under known in this part of the world yep. with a lot of marquee investors who invest in our stage of company. So it's a great time.